0: Sometimes we'll face situations that we got ourselves into and all of us at some point in our life, we're going to cry out to God. and we're going to say, how long, God, Lord, how long do I need to wait for this situation to happen in my life? Lord, why is this happening in my life? Like David, many of us are going to be facing giants in our life. Like David, many of us are going to be sitting in a cave and we're going to be wondering why, how did I get here and why do I have to stay here so long? But in all of those things, I want you to know that God is at work in our life. And he's He's making um, a man, a woman of God out of us. And, And so in order for us to really understand the context of David's life, and why are we looking at David's life? Because the truth of the matter is, is David is a man after God's own heart. And if you notice something in the scriptures, that the Bible talks more about David than any other man in the Bible, other than God, David is mentioned more in the Bible than anyone else. In fact, there are sixty six chapters devoted to David. Sixty six. How many books, are in the Bible? 66 books in the Bible? Sixty six books in the Bible. David started his kingly ministry when he was 30 years old. Jesus started his ministry when he was 30 years old. In fact, Jesus said that he comes from the root of David. And so we understand that David is a very important character in the Bible. And why is David such an important character in the Bible? In fact, he's so important as you notice in the scriptures that God actually treats David in a different way. I always say that David is a New Testament believer in an Old Testament body that it seems like God was on a different level with David. It seems like God gave David a lot of grace in his life. David was not perfect. In fact, the truth is David was far from perfect. David committed adultery. David murdered. David lied to the prophet. Even in his old age, he did some things that were not very wise. And yet, even though all of those things happened, God said, I search for a man. After my own heart. And when he found it, he found it in David. And so we want to look at the life of David. Now, in order for us to understand the life of David, we've actually really have to go way back to the beginning. Because God is always looking for a man. God is always looking for a man. He's always looking for a woman with a heart after his. And The Bible says that God created Adam and Eve. And if there's two things that God was looking for in his creation was obedience and trust, trusting God and obeying God. And so God creates Adam and Eve. And the Bible tells us that God put a tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and God said to Adam and Eve, don't touch the tree. Why would he put a tree in the garden and, and then say, don't touch the tree? Because he wanted to teach them how to obey them. He wanted to teach them how to trust him and his word. But what, what happens? The Bible tells us that the serpent, the enemy, the devil, who disguised himself as a serpent, came and he spoke to Eve. And what did he say to Eve? He said, God knows the moment that you eat of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, you You're going to become like him. He doesn't want you to eat this because you're going to become like him. That was the first test. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to obey God? In all of our lives, we're going to have to learn how to trust God and obey God even when we don't understand. And so the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve took up that tree and they ate it and they fell and they were cast out of the garden. And God's prophesied to the serpent and said, there's coming a day when I'm going to see it send the seed of a woman. A son is going to be born to this world and that son is going to crush your head and you're going to bruise his heel. Who is he talking about? He was talking about Jesus, the Messiah, and he said that the Messiah would come from the seed of a woman, and now we move through the scriptures, and we find a man. God is always looking for a person. He's always looking for a man. He's always looking for a woman with the right heart, and he finds uh, Abraham, and the Bible tells us that Abraham loved God, served God, obeyed God, and trusted God by faith, In fact, in Romans, we find that Paul says that Abraham was justified not by the law, not by what he did, but what he believed. What he believed created what he did. In other words, he was first a man that trusted God. He was first a man that obeyed God. And as a result of that, he was seen as righteous in the sight of God. And Abraham has a son. His name is Isaac. And Isaac has a son. His name is Jacob. And God blesses Jacob, and then Jacob blesses his son Joseph. Now notice. The Bible says that Joseph was a man of integrity. God is always looking for a man or a woman with the right heart. Joseph has the right heart. He's thrown into prison. He's treated like a slave. He's abused. And yet, even though he's abused, even though he's mistreated, even though he's accused of things that he did not do, Joseph had the right heart. He had a trusting heart. He had an obedient heart. He trusted God even when he was in prison. He obeyed God even when he was Treated like a slave. He obeyed God even when he was mistreated and betrayed by his closest friends. God is always looking for a man. And the Bible says he had such an excellent spirit, he had such an excellent heart that Pharaoh took him under his wing and he became second to Pharaoh in Egypt. And as a result of that, he brings his whole family to Egypt. And the Bible says that God so blessed Joseph's family that they were growing and growing and they were fruitful and they were multiplying that there arose another Pharaoh that did not know God. And he didn't know the story about what God did through Joseph. As a result of that, he became so afraid of the people of Israel that he actually issued an edict that all of the firstborn should be killed. Comes Moses on the scene. Moses then is raised up as a deliverer. God is always looking for a man. God is always looking for a woman that obey him. And God told Moses to go into Egypt and lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. And Moses does that. He's faithful. He's an obedient leader. And the Bible tells us now the people of Israel, they settled in the promised land through the leadership of Joshua. And Joshua, at the end of his life, he says, I will serve the Lord as for me and my house." we will serve the lord but the bible tells us there arose another generation that did not know god nor the power of god let me tell you let me stop right now i'm praying that god will raise up a generation of young men a generation of young ladies that will serve god know god know the power of god and show the world what it really means to be young men and women of god come on somebody help me out praise the lord Now listen, I did this twice. I did it twice. I preached two times already. I'm preaching here and at 4 o'clock I'm going to preach at a at Bethlehem Punjabi Church, an Indian church, listen to me, that has 90% of the people that were once Hindu, now are born-again Christians. Come on, somebody. So, I need you to help me out today. Give me some wind. Give me some wind today. Say, yes, pastor. Hallelujah. Now, if you want to see a miracle, I want you to meet me in Queens at the Bethlehem Punjabi Church at 4 o'clock, and you are going to see God doing a great work in that church. It is amazing. Anybody wants to come, you welcome to come, but the Bible tells us that there arose another generation that didn't know God nor the power of God, and they did what was right in their own eyes. That's what's happening in America today. We're doing what's right in our own eyes, and the Bible says as a result of doing what was right in their own eyes that they kept on getting themselves into trouble. And when they got themselves in trouble, God heard their cry. God heard their pleas because God is a merciful God. Aren't you glad that even when we get ourselves in trouble, God comes to our rescue because he loves us. He cares about us. He has a plan for our life. And the Bible says that God heard the cries of the people of Israel. And he raised up judges. He raised up men and women that would deliver them out of the bondage, out of the problems that they caused for themselves. The Bible tells us that God raised up Eli and his family, but Eli, he didn't rebuke his sons, and his sons did some really wicked things. I mean, they took advantage of the people of God in the temple. They were wicked men. And the Bible says because Eli would not discipline his sons, God stepped in and said, Eli is going to be judged for that. And as a result of that, God raises up a young man named Samuel, and Samuel is now hearing the voice of God. And he's being used by God. And the Bible says that after Eli died, Samuel now becomes the judge or the prophet and the priest of Israel in a lot of ways. And he represents God to the people and he represents the people to God. He's the voice of the people. He's the voice of God to the people. And the Bible says that God was their king. God always loves to be our king. He wants to serve us in a, in a great way because that's what a king does. He serves the people. And it's not that we were created to have God serve us, but we were created to serve him. But in so many ways, God wants to bless us and God wants to do a great work through our life. And Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he came to be a servant to us to show us what it's really like to be a man after God's own heart. And the Bible tells us that God raises up Samuel and Samuel is leading the people But one day, as Samuel gets older, the people come to Samuel and say, Samuel, you're old now. How would you like to be told you're old? Turn to neighbor and say, you're old. You're old now, Samuel, and you're about to die. And Samuel, we don't want another judge. The people said we want a king. We want a king to rule over us. And the reason why we want a king is because we want to be like all the other nations because they have a king. Friend, I want to tell you something right now. If you are a born-again believer, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you love Jesus Christ, you are going to be different than the world. You're going to love when the world hates. You're going to obey when the the world disobeys. You're going to be holy and righteous. You're going to look like a born-again believer. You're going to look like a Christ-like follower. You're going to be different than the world. You see, we keep on wanting to be just like the world but we're not like the world we're children of the most high god we're blessed going in and we're blessed going out and god has a plan for our life and it's big (laughs) i love i love my daughters they say to my granddaughter ellie what does papa say all the time and my little granddaughter goes it's big it's really big god's got a plan and it's big and god does have a plan for your life and it's big And the Bible says we're a peculiar people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're not like the world. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And we've got to make this world a better place. Come on, somebody. We can't fit into the world. We've got to be different than the world. We've got to show the world what God really looks like. But they wanted a king to fit in. And so the Bible says it really grieved the heart of Samuel. Samuel was so upset, but God spoke to Samuel that night and said, Samuel, Listen to me. Give them a king. They ask for a king, give them a king. You know, sometimes God's going to give you what you ask for, and it's not always the best thing. You keep on bothering God. God says, okay, you want it? You could have it. But that's not my best for you in your life. And so the Bible says that the God said to Samuel, give them a king, but warn them. As you give them the king, tell them that this king is going to abuse their daughters. This king is going to abuse them and use them. This king is going to have a wicked heart. And they're going to regret the day that they asked for a king. I was their king. I would give them anything they wanted as long as it was in my will. But now they wanted an earthly king. Give them the king. The Bible says that God, he allows Saul to become king. And in the beginning, Saul, he looked like a king. He even, he even looked a little humble when, when he was being coronated. He, he hid in the back, and, and, and the Bible says he looked like he was obedient as he, as, as he actually listened to his father. But there was something, there was something wrong in his heart. Uh, Saul had a jealous heart. Saul had an insecure heart. Saul had a partially obedient heart. Listen to me. I want you to write this down. Partial obedience is total disobedience. Partial obedience is total disobedience. And, you know, so often when somebody's given power, they, they're, really, they're really shown for what they really are. Give somebody power, and you'll see whether or not they've got a pure heart. Come on. And the Bible says that Saul, over the years, you could start to see that he had a proud heart. He started building monuments to himself. The Bible tells us that when David was being raised up, that Saul became so jealous of David that his jealousy, his bitterness, his rage got the best of him. The Bible tells us that at some point God was telling Saul, Saul, I want you to truly obey me. And at one time, God says to Samuel, go tell Saul that he's to wipe out the Amalekites. Why? Because the Amalekites were brutal. They were vicious people. And they did not treat the people of Israel the right way when they were coming into the promised land. And so God said, you know, I want you to wipe everyone out. I want you to wipe out the whole tribe. Now you might say, why would God tell somebody to wipe out the whole tribe? There's some things we really, really can't really wrap our minds around. And sometimes I read the scripture, and i like, God, listen to me. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, sometimes I read the scripture, and I go, God, I know you have a plan. And I know you're wise. I know you're wiser than I am. So who am I to judge you? Who am I to play God? You see, when you judge the wisdom of God, what you're really doing is playing God. Because there are things that only God understands that we will never, ever understand. We know that the Amalekites were so wicked that they would actually pass the legacy of wickedness to their children, and their children, they were so brutal that God said, you've got to wipe them out. The Bible tells us that Saul went to war with the Amalekites, and God gave Saul victory over the Amalekites, and now Saul brings Agag the king back, and the Bible tells us that instead of killing King Agag. He was a wicked, wicked king. He, he didn't kill him. Why? Because he wanted to befriend him. Not only that, but he stole or he took for himself the sheep and the goats and the cattle that was the best of the best. And so now Samuel comes and he says, Saul, did you do what God told you to do? He was testing him. And Saul said, yes, I did everything that God told. And he said, well, what is this sheep bleeding in the background? Bah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know you're doing some bad thing. What's that bad thing that you did, Saul? What is it that I hear in the background? Saul said, no, 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 no. He said, that's just a couple of sheep. The men, the men brought it to me, and I was afraid of the men, so I kept it. You see, when you have a truly repentant heart, you don't blame it on somebody else. You don't blame it on your mama. You don't blame it on your father. You don't blame it on your brother. You don't blame it on the country. You say, God, I'm the one that sinned, Lord. God, I'm a sinner, and I need you to do the work inside of me. Let me tell you something. When you truly have a repentant heart, you say, God, I'm the man who's sin and I deserve whatever God I fall at your feet and I pray and I cry out for your mercy but Saul didn't do that in fact he not only did did he did he lie about it and try to get out of it but then when this when Samuel said this is what really happened Saul said listen I understand that but don't make me look bad in front of the people see he was looking again to be lifted up by the people and as a result of that God said to Samuel, tell Saul that I have rejected him as king. And the Bible says that Samuel was so grieved over this because he loved Saul. But the Bible says that Samuel was so grieved over it. But God said, I have rejected Saul because, listen to me, I have searched for and found a man after my own heart. He said, I found the man, First Samuel chapter 16, and I'm going to encourage you as I move on quickly today. We don't have a lot of time, but as I move on quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 16, I want you to do something with me for the next several weeks. I want you to read with me one chapter a day. I want you to start reading the book of 1 Samuel and the book of 2 Samuel. When you finish first, go into 2 Samuel, one chapter a day, but follow the drama with me. Follow the story because I believe God's going to speak to you about David's life, and I believe God's going to speak to you about being a woman or a man after God's own heart. But 1 Samuel chapter 16, we pick it up. God says to Samuel, Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul being rejected as king. How long will you mourn over Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen out of his son to be a king. Hey, listen to me. I want you to know something powerful today. Before you were born, God chose you. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you've come to church. Maybe your mother brought you to church, dragged you to church. Maybe your father made you to come to church. I don't know why you're here today, but I want you to know that God chose you. And if you're hearing my voice today, God has a plan and it's big for your life. And before you were born, God knew you. Even when you were being knit together in your mother's womb, God chose you. He chose you to be set apart. And if you're hearing this today, it's because God, he loves you with an everlasting love. And the Bible says before you were born, God chose you from the foundations of the earth that you might be holy and blameless in his sight, that you might be adopted as a son and a daughter. God has a plan for your life and it. He chose you, the Bible says, I chose David to be king. Now notice what he says. Go on a little bit further because it's really powerful. And the Bible says, but Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears about it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you you see he was spanish take the heifer with you come on you know what a heifer is right the boss take the bo- no i'm just kidding take a heifer with you and say i have come to sacrifice to the lord invite jesse to the sacrifice and i will show you what to do you are to anoint for me the one i indicate samuel did what the lord said so now he's going to go he's going to go undercover Why is he going to go undercover? Because if Saul found out that he was going to anoint the king, he would kill Samuel and he would kill all of Jesse's household, right? Because Saul was jealous. Not only was Saul jealous, but if he found out he wasn't going to be the king, he's going to take matters into his own hand and he's going to wipe them all out. So he goes there to sacrifice. Notice. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. I like that, I like that. When the man of God showed up, they trembled. Let me tell you something. There needs to be some men and women of God who are filled with the power of God, filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, filled with the word of God, that sometimes when you step into a place, when you come to somewhere where people are, they begin to tremble, why? Because they know that you know that you've been hearing from God come on give us a generation of people that still hear from God and they asked do you come in peace oh praise God Samuel replied yes in peace i have come the sacrifice to the lord consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice when they arrived Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Wow. Samuel got sucked into it. What was Samuel looking at? The outward. Samuel looks at Eliab and Eliab is tall. He's strong. He's smart. He's wise in the flesh. And Samuel thinks this has to be the next king of Israel. But notice what God said. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Don't consider the outward. Why? He said, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Here's what I've learned about David. Here's what I've learned about the life of David. God sees things in you. God sees things in people that no one else can see. Come on, somebody. I want you to know today, there's some of you in this place, you failed God. Some of you in this place, somebody told you that you never amount to anything. In fact, let me ask you a question. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a failure? Do you see somebody that's not going anywhere? Or can you see what God can see? Friend, because I want you to know, God can see something in you that you can't see in yourself. I'm so glad that God could see something in me that no one else could see. When I was a little boy and I was confused about where I was going in life, when I wanted to kill myself when I was 13 years old, when I was partying and doing all kinds of bad things, God saw something inside of me and called me before I even knew that I was called. And I'm here to tell some of you that are here in this room, no matter what you feel about yourself, no matter what you think about yourself as the Bible says, as a man thinking in his heart, so he is. I want you to know God sees something big inside of you. God sees potential. He sees power. He sees promise. He sees something that you can't see in yourself because God sees things that nobody else can see. Second thing I've learned is God chooses people that nobody else chooses. Glory to God. God chooses people that nobody else chooses. Paul the Apostle said, all of you that are following Christ today, none of you were of high respect or high regard. He said, but God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Hallelujah. Jesus chose 12 disciples. Man, you talk about a ragtag army of misfits, tax collectors, cheaters, James and John, sons of thunder. Jesus goes to a certain town, and the Bible says the Samaritans rejected Jesus, and, and the sons of thunder say, let's, let's just, hey, yo, Jesus, let's take care of them right now. Let's go fire down from heaven and bless them all, you know? I mean, just misfits. Jesus chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, the uneducated people of the world to confound the wise. You might say, man, well, who am I? I, I, love what, I love what happens. So, so the Bible says that Jesse calls Abimadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But the Lord said to Samuel again, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. The number seven is really important there. You know Why? Because there were seven sons. Seven is the number of completion. And listen, here's what happened. See, one son had this talent. The other son had that talent. The other son had that ability. And you put it all together. It's all talent and ability in the flesh. And God said, now I've had it. It's complete. You see all these people? You're looking out the outward flesh. I'm looking on the inside. And God says to Samuel, Samuel, is there anyone else in your house? And 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 Jesse says, oh, yeah, there's a young boy. He's the youngest. In the Hebrew, that word youngest does not mean he's just the youngest in age. It means he wasn't even worth bringing him in for the sacrifice. Here's my boys. These are my boys. David, he's, he's insignificant. He's so in, insignificant that he hangs out with the sheep. And let me be honest with you, Samuel. Sometimes I think the boy, I think he has some head problems. Because sometimes when I go out and I, I go check on David, he's out there singing to the stars, talking to the sheep. I mean, he comes up with all these sayings. He puts it in his journal. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. I mean, he that dwelleth I mean, he, the boy's lost it a little bit, you know. He's a little fanatical. So I thought he'd turn you off if I brought him in. And the Bible says that Samuel said, go get the boy. And when the moment, the moment that David came into the house... The moment that David stepped into the house, the Bible said that God spoke to Samuel and said, he's the man. That's the young man who has my heart. That's the young man whose heart beats after my heart. I have sought for a man that has my heart, who has my love, who has my desires, who loves my word, who loves to worship me, who's obedient and trusts me with all of his heart. That's the man. The Bible said at that very moment, Samuel took a flask of oil and anointed David with the oil of God. And the Holy Spirit began to do a great work in David's life, came all upon David. David. God was looking for a man after his own heart. The people of Israel were looking for a king. God was looking for a heart. The people of Israel were looking for a king. God was looking for a heart. Samuel was looking on the outside. God was looking on the inside. And the only thing I want to leave you with this afternoon, we'll pick it up next week, is that God is calling each and every one of us in this room to possess a heart like David. Was David perfect? Far from it. In fact, like I said a few moments ago, it seemed like God gave David a pass a couple of times. Like, dude, he killed somebody. He committed adultery. In the Old Testament, when somebody committed adultery and killed somebody, they were to be stoned to death. But there was something about David. There was something so so special about his heart that it seemed like God so loved David in such an incredible way that God treated David like a New Testament believer. That God forgave David when David was repentant of his sin instead of stoning him to death. That, that I believe with all my heart the life of David reveals to us how we must love God and trust God with all of our heart. How we, how we must worship God. The life of David helps us to understand the very heart of God towards his people. That God wants us to have a heart that runs hard after him, that seeks his heart with all of our heart. So So what was it about David? What was it about David that God downloaded so much stuff in David's life. As we look at the life of David and we learn of a man who heard the voice of God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is my stronghold. Whom shall I be afraid? The, long is this. the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an enemy encamp about me, though weapons come against me, the Bible says that David said, one thing I seek, this one thing I will do, I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to seek his face and gaze upon his beauty, then he will protect me then he will keep me he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God thank God for David thank God for David's life thank God that David went through the ups and downs of his life thank God that David went through the valleys of the shadow of death thank God that David faced the Giants in his life thank God that David was in a cave wondering why is God doing this thank God that David fell and he knew where to go thank God that we've got David so that we can look and say yes God you can be fed faithful to us as well and God you can help me in the ups and downs when I don't understand even when I fail you God you can give me a heart that runs hard after you thank God for David so what is it about David I believe number one David possessed an obedient heart David possessed an obedient heart God said to Saul, Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Do you know why rebelling against God, even partial rebellion against God, is like the sin of witchcraft? Because what witchcraft really is, is making something else other than God an idol. Depending on something else other than God. And there are times in all of our lives where God is going to tell us to do something or God's going to bring us to a difficult, hard time in our life. And the truth is, we're going to be tempted to take a shortcut. Or we're going to be tempted to curse God and die. We're going to be tempted to walk away from God. This didn't work. But you see, David was a true man after God's own heart because David obeyed the Lord even when it was hard to obey. It's easy to obey the Lord when things are going good. Come on. Are you with me today? Anybody with me today? Did I come to the wrong church today? It's it's easy to obey God when things are going well in your life. It's easy to obey God when God doesn't ask for a sacrifice, a real sacrifice from us. It's easy to obey God when when we obey God. It's something we want to do. It's not so easy to obey God when we're sitting in a cave being chased, hunted down by a man who's jealous. It's not so easy to obey God when the son that I love so much is trying to kill me. It's not so easy to obey God when we don't understand we were just anointed king and now I'm sitting on the sidelines and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And God, it's not so easy to obey God. When God tells you to do something, you know it's going to be hard but he tells you to do it anyway. Obedience to God, true obedience. 100% obedience is when we obey God, even when it hurts us. Even when we could take a shortcut. Oh, like David, now he's in another cave. He bumps into Saul who's sleeping. And the Bible says that that was his moment, that he was going to be tested to see, was he going to wait on God? Was he going to be obedient, or is he going to take matters into his own hand? You see, David not only had an obedient heart, he had a trusting heart. How do you know when you're trusting God, really trusting God? How do you know when you have a trusting heart, when you're willing to wait for God's best and be obedient to God, even though it costs you something? As the worship team comes this afternoon, I know there's some young ladies in this room. Here it comes. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. You know you're trusting God when you obey God and his word. You know you're trusting God when God says, don't don't date that unbeliever. And your heart is starting to fall for that unbeliever, but you won't do it. You know why? Because you know that the Bible says you're not to be yoked with an unbeliever, and you wait for God's very best even when you could take the shortcut and just embrace God in a different way in the sense of trying to figure out how to obey God and twist the scriptures to make it work out for you it's easy to obey God when it's easy but you know you're trusting God when you could forgive somebody that hurt you even though the last thing you want to do is forgive them when they hurt you that's Trusting God. You know you're trusting God when somebody hurts you and you could get back at them. Just like when David's in that cave, and David's officer said, David, Saul's in the cave and he's sleeping. Take the spear and thrust it in his heart and it's over with. Vindication is yours. You don't have to keep on running. You don't have to keep on waiting for the kingship. Surely they'll make you a king today if you kill Saul right now. And David said, God forbid that I should touch the anointing of the Lord. And David waited on the perfect will of God in his life. David waited on the perfect timing of God in his life. What does it mean to be a person that has a heart after God. Next week we're going to learn a couple of things. A little bit more about that. But today it means two things. David had an obedient heart. Let me ask you a question today. Do you have an obedient heart? Are you willing to obey God? Even if it's hard. I mean that's what God's looking for. He's looking for obedience. He's not looking for outward obedience abilities and talents look at me look at me i know they're good looking but look at me he's not looking for outward talent and obedience uh, abilities he's looking for obedience god's not looking for the sharpest people the most intelligent people he's looking for obedient people he's looking for fat people faithful available teachable people he's looking for people that will obey him notice what he says i search for a man who had a heart like mine, who would do everything I told them to do. What is it today that God is telling you to do? That He's calling for obedience. Maybe right now in this room. You came to church today and God touched your heart. And you know that you know that you know that you're not right with God today because you don't know if you die today whether or not you'd go to heaven. But today you know that you need to give your life to God. You need to turn your life over to God. In a few moments, I'm going to invite you to turn your life over to God. God's going to be waiting. He's going to be watching to see if you're obedient. For some of you, God's already told you it's time to forgive. For some of you, God told you it's time to trust me with all your heart. For some of you, God told you to give something. For some of you, God told you to stop something. For some of you, God told you to do something. Today is a day where you say, God, I surrender. I want to be obedient to you. But it comes out of a heart to trust him. So let me ask you a question. Do you really trust God? Do you trust God more than your finances? You know, the United States really needs to change that saying on the dollar bill, in God we trust to in money we trust. They'd be more honest. Are you trusting in your money more than you are trusting in God? Are you trusting in something other than God? That's your idol in your life. Are you trusting God 100%? So with every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, I'm going to ask you a question again one more time. If you were to die today, are you certain that you'd go to heaven? You say, Pastor, I'm not certain, but I feel like God is speaking to me today. Listen, the truth is you can't get yourself to heaven by any good works that you could do. If you could get yourself to heaven by being good, then Jesus was a fool for dying on the cross. The reason why Jesus died on the cross is he died to shed his perfect blood as a perfect sacrifice for your sin against a perfect God. And today, what he's asking for is trust. Are you willing to put your full trust in the finished work of what Christ did on the cross for you? You say, Pastor, I'm not certain if I die today, but I I want to receive the free gift of eternal life. I want to trust God with my heart. I want to trust God with my life. If that's you today, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to put my full trust in God. I want you to raise your hand right now. Say, pray. I want to pray for you right now. Yes, yes, I see your hands. Yes, all over this place. Awesome, 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 awesome. Well, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You guys were awesome. You raised your hand. You recognize that you're a sinner. You recognize that Christ died on the cross for your sins. And you receive that as a perfect, eternal gift. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Paul the apostle said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift, it's a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just need to receive it. God wants to give it to you right now, right in this room. He wants to give you the gift of eternal life, assurance of salvation. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I want everybody just in a moment, just in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something. But right now, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Then I'm going to ask people to stand. But I want you to pray with me. If you raised your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, all across this place, let's pray right now this prayer, this simple prayer. And if you prayed it for the first time, then I want you to come after the service and meet with one of these counselors. They've got information they want to give you. And they want, to, they want to be able to give you that information so you can grow and you can learn from this day forward. It's a great journey that God wants to bring you on. It's a journey of faith, but you got to learn. you got to grow. But let's, let's all pray together right now in this place. Lord Jesus, come on, say, say with me, Lord Jesus, thank you that you were the perfect sacrifice. You died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you today to forgive me for running. Today I'm coming home. Forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. I acknowledge and I confess that you died and rose again. And I receive today perfect forgiveness, complete forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for those who prayed for the first time. Now I'm going to ask you another question. If you're here today, say, I'm a believer. Whoever you are, maybe you're just learning how to be a believer. But you say, Pastor Steve, I, I want to have a heart like David. I want to have a heart that runs hard after God. I want to have an obedient heart. And I want God to give me that heart. I want, I want to begin to obey God from my heart. There are times when I struggle to obey, but today I want to learn how to obey Him. I want you to stand right now where you are. That's your first test of obedience. Are you going to stand? I want you to stand right now and say, yes, I want to learn how to obey God. Come on, stand to your feet say, yes, God, teach me how to obey you with my whole heart. Come on, stand up and... Be obedient to God. You say, Pastor, I, I want to learn how to trust God. I want to learn how to trust God when I'm going through valleys. I want to learn how to trust God when I'm going through fiery trials. I want to learn how to trust God for everything in my life that would be translated in absolute obedience. Lord, teach me how to trust you. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all our heart. Don't lean on our own understanding. When we're trusting God, we're willing to, to obey Him and wait for His very best. You say, Pastor, I want to learn how to trust. I want you to stand right now. Say, yes, pastor. I want to learn how to trust God even more. I want to trust God for my marriage. I want to trust God for my finances. I want to trust God for my eternal destiny. I want to trust God for my whole life. There are times, pastor, that I question God. Why? And I want to learn how to say, Lord, I trust you. I'm on this ride with you, Lord. And I'm going to trust you with all my heart. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Thank you, Lord.